Hello everyone, I am Alexandra Yamoyoyi and I'm happy to share the second part of this UNAJUA series answering the question, what is the current state of play in Nigeria's healthcare sector? Vivian Mwaka offers more insight on this one, tapping her life experience as a co-founder and CEO of Medsaf, an enterprise pharma supply chain company based in Lagos, Nigeria. This is UNAJUA, where we offer more actionable responses to important questions in about 15 minutes or less. But before we get into this episode, Let's get you earning some African Tech Roundup token. For a chance to earn some African Tech Roundup token, here's a question you need to answer. What ratio or percentage of medical products does the World Health Organization estimate are substandard or fake in low- and middle-income countries, which includes most of Africa? Stay listening to the end of this episode for the answer. Then fill out the Google form linked in the show notes with your name, email address, silo address, and a correct answer to today's question. If you don't really have a social token wallet in silo address, get with the program by signing up at wallet.socialstack.co. All right, good luck. Now, here's Vivian Waka factoring in on three important questions related to logistics and cultivating trust and reliability in a low trust market. First, she tackles the notion of an open drug market and talks about where most Nigeria's drugs come from. Then she explains how startups like Medsaf are trying to improve levels of customer trust while improving drug safety. And finally, she touches on the importance of addressing unreliable sector data and how collecting data and using it intelligently can be a game changer. The concept of open drug market was new to me when I came to Nigeria and and I didn't really understand it until I started looking into the concept of Menza. I had a friend who died from taking a fake malaria pill and I was just talking to people about it. And they were also then sharing stories about people having taken a fake or substandard medication. And the more that I talked about this thing, the more people would just say me too. And just everybody had a story. And even people outside of Nigeria had the same stories. And I just saw this trend. And so that it was kind of the inspiration for Medsaf. Throughout that journey of, of just kind of thinking about this concept and get, getting more information about it, you know, I did run into the concept of the open drug market. And so basically, you know, you've got a situation in, in a Nigerian context, for example, but it's a similar situation across Africa where the regulations for pharmaceutical industry might actually be quite strict, right? And so that was the first kind of like, wait, what moment for me? Because it's like, it's almost like there's an over-regulation of the pharmaceutical industry in a Nigerian context, over-regulation. So it's very hard to register one product and then You have to register, if you're a pharmaceutical company, you've got many products. And so it becomes potentially overbearing to register all of your products and then set up distribution, you know, maybe set up a warehouse, and then you've got to figure out how to distribute your products across the country. You know, we have a poor infrastructure. Um, you've got all of these hospitals and pharmacies that are using paper, so no one's really online. And there isn't really a, a way to forecast or even just understand very well who needs your product, where, at what time, and at what price, right? Of course, you can do door-to-door surveys and things like that, but there are many reasons why information or data 
um, whether it's from a government perspective or a federal or a state or even just your own private efforts, why you might not be able to trust that if it's door to door or based off of paper records. And so what you then have is you have global pharma pretty much saying countries like Nigeria might not have the market for us in comparison to the rest of the world. And so it's better to work with importers. And so you've got then importers can be massive importers that have a lot of capital and have the capacity to build the warehouse, but they might also just be someone who in the early 2000s called up a global company and said, hey, I'll be your representative in Nigeria. It can really just be that simple. And so you've got this you know, lack of uniformity as it pertains to how medications actually enter the country and who's allowed to do so. And then, of course, you've got this very strict regulation that makes it financially uh, very hard to really you know, invest in it. And so because of all of these kind of reasons, you then have the drive for many different actors to import medications on their own. It might be a doctor who has to make sure that they've got the specific medications for their patients. So they go to the UK or they go to the US and they bring it themselves. It might be a complete illegal outfit that's doing that knowingly. It could be cross-border purchases and things like that. So there's many different ways or reasons why a medication might come into the country, registered or unregistered. And so the big issue for everyone, whether it's a registered medication or not, is how do you move this medication, right? And so if you've got this whole industry that's a bit antiquated, is not online, not tech savvy per se, and nothing is transparent, then an open market or a marketplace or a meeting place where people can come together and actually sell and trade products works. And so obviously we know that African markets are quite common, right? That's the way that other products deal with a lot of these issues that I'm describing. And so the pharmaceutical industry has the same problem. So yeah, there's a market that basically have all the medications that you may need for your hospital pharmacy pop up, you know, with the suppliers in that market or the importers in that market selling their medications to, you know, hot people representing hospitals or pharmacies or resellers that come into the market looking to get the price of medications and see and touch the medications, make sure they're that they can hold them and then bring them back to their off-takers, which might be a hospital pharmacy or even a patient. And so that's why the open drug markets exist. And the reality is, is that they really do serve a massive need in the country. So right now, if you were to close an open drug market, you would literally cripple the healthcare industry in Nigeria because not all of the hospitals and pharmacies you know, have a transparent way to figure out how to get all the medications that they need at the price that they need when they need it. And so people go to the open drug market. That's where it is. And a lot of these medications are coming from China or India, majority of them. We know if you, you can go to China and they have their own issues with fake and substandard products, India as well. And India also has a problem with fake and substandard medications. Of course, if there are people in the pharmaceutical industry that only care about making profit, then 
you know, a country like Nigeria is a great place to do so because of these issues. And that's where the open drug market can become dangerous, right? Because yes, you've got a lot of great actors and players who are just trying to make sure that the hospitals or clinics can get access to a medication by being in one place. But then you also have people who know that being able to tell the difference between this medication or that medication to the untrained eye or without any type of you know medical or laboratory intervention is hard. It's a perfect opportunity to potentially pass through fake or substandard medications, which is another issue. So that's overall the open drug market and the complexity of why it's there. And so MedSaf was was built to say, hey, let's simulate the good things about this open drug market, transparency, understanding where the medications are, pricing, use technology to do that, make it easier for hospital or pharmacy or clinic to bypass having to go to the open drug market for their medication. And of course, we can embed the quality control and the vetting of the sources within the system so that people can trust the medications they purchase from MedSaf. The market is an aggregation spot, right, for people, suppliers, uh, manufacturers, and importers, you know, to provide their products in one spot and to deal with all of the distribution problems that a country like Nigeria would face with infrastructure, logistics, and just access and information. And so the open drug market is a solution for this, the issues of the country. But, you know, obviously, if there's a market that anyone can kind of go to, then of course, you know, you would have a way for fake or substandard medications to seep into that market because there really isn't an on-the-spot way to understand the chemical composition of what's being sold and the vetting process or just understanding the source of this medication you know, might not, uh, is not visible or transparent to the average user or the average person that would go to one of these markets. And so that's where fake or substandard medications can enter into the system. And that's what makes the open drug market dangerous. And so with MedZaf, we can use technology to actually emulate all of the good parts of that open drug market concept you know, the transparency, understanding where the medications are, having pictures of the medications, having them be able to be visible, um, and then also, you know, having the off-takers anywhere that they are be able to actually see, you know, these medications and the prices and understand the financial implications in real time. Those are all benefits that the open drug market has. But what MedZaf can do as well, because it's technology-based, is, you know, we can really kind of go through that process of vetting the source of medications and making that transparent and managing that process, as well as managing the process of the quality of the medications and, you know, understanding it a bit in, in more in advance of what medications need to be available when and why. I see the, the open drug market as a very complicated issue. It's not a simple fix. That is why we believe that technology can really disrupt this industry and create a way for people to really you think about pharmaceutical procurement in a much different light using technology. The reality is, is that whether or not you're you know, the richest hospital 
in the country, or if you're a rural hospital that's very much so underfunded, you're still going to need the same types of medications. Whether or not they are the branded medications or unbranded generics, you know, will most likely be a factor in the experience. But it doesn't necessarily also mean that an unbranded medication is bad. There are many generic medications that are perfect. Because of that, you know, I would say that healthcare is the great equalizer in society because in this perspective, the range of differences between the rich and the poor are not that great. It's just, it's just about affordability, right? And so a poor rural clinic obviously is not going to be able to afford as many medications and to have as much options as the richest clinic in the country but they're still going to have similar medications available. And so that's, I guess, to kind of answer your question that whether or not it's the richest or the poorest, the needs are going to be similar. There are similar needs that align and similar medications that are necessary in, in a similar way. So in next week's final installment of this series, Vivian will share more insights and learnings drawn from Medsaf Startup's journeys for far. But before we go, here's the answer to this week's proof of play question. For a chance to earn some African Tech Roundup token, here's a question you need to answer. What ratio or percentage of medical products does the World Health Organization estimate are substandard or fake in low-income and middle-income countries, which includes most of Africa? The answer, 1 in 10 or 10%, a number which, by the way, many experts operating in Africa's healthcare sector Reckon is grossly understated. Well, there's your answer. Go ahead and fill out the Google Form linked in the show notes with your name, email address, sealer address, and a correct answer to today's question. Again, if you don't already have a social token wallet and sealer address, get with the program by signing up at wallet.socialstack.co. That's all for now. Until next time.